Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring. You'll get insight into various cultures and countries around the world. They'll share fantastic stories of their journey, and through mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring and considering going on a tour, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already a bike tourer, I hope my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to episode four of the Bike Tour Adventures Touring Talk. In this episode, I have Carl Presso, my most recent guest from interview number 47. So co-hosting this episode in which we'll talk about bike maintenance on the road and what we consider to be the most important tools to take with you when you're going out there. We're going to discuss uh, some really common issues you might have while touring and possibly the best ways of overcoming them or maybe just uh, not necessarily the best ways, but just ways in general. I think Carl's a really perfect co-host for this episode as uh, he's not just a experienced cyclist and bike tourer, but also a professional bike mechanic by trade. Yeah, before we start, I'd like to quickly thank Mark, uh, Bike Tour Adventures' newest Patreon supporter. If you like the show and are willing and capable of supporting us, I mean, you can follow the links that'll be posted in the podcast, which go to patreon.com slash biketouradventures. Furthermore, if you can, go to whatever podcast app you're using, or Apple Podcasts is definitely the most used one and gets the most uh, push or bang for buck, but giving a five-star review or four Preferably not a three. Uh, we, <laughs> if we you like the podcast. Five. <laughs> <laughs> so five-star reviews go a long way just to get uh, exposure and whatnot. So anyways, on to the talk. Carl, how's it going? Oh, very good. And you? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Happy Friday. Oh, yeah. It's the weekend. What are you uh, What are you up to this weekend? Uh, actually, I was like looking at the weather because like last weekend, I went for a bike ride outside. Uh, oh, you did it, did you? In- Oh yeah, I did it. Okay. <laughs> it was awesome. It was not like, it was like a 20, 22 kilometer, but like being outside is like, we're all waiting for that uh, all winter. Yeah. So, uh, awesome. Yeah. Same here. I didn't do much outdoors last weekend. I might try to get out for a ski this weekend if, uh. Yeah. It's the last few time you can. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow morning. Um, well, my wife is doing her French lessons and stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. So let's talk. Um. What do you, uh, should we start with tools and parts? 
Yeah, about like what we bring when we're on the road, because like this one, I think it's going to be maintenance, but not necessarily maintenance at home. It's mostly maintenance on the bike. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Yeah. You're not going to really carry your like park tool bike stand with you, right? So. (laughs) Yeah, well, you might, you might, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I nearly did it, but like, to be honest, I think it's more like, uh, it's more what you can bring, but without, uh, like hit becoming like half of your pack. Uh, and like it's bushwalk, uh, bushwhack mechanic, like, and do the most with the less. Do you think we should, uh, differentiate between like bike touring and bike packing? Cause I think that's like two different, very scenario, different scenarios in terms of what you would actually take with you yeah 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 you would cut cut this allen key in half if you were backpacking bike packing and you would like take the you would take everything you would take your entire toolbox in uh touring so uh, this podcast will be filled with a random uh comments about what people are commenting and here the toolery says he would bring his park tool bike stand as well (laughs) (laughs) I, i know it's eric and like he would probably bring his like toolbox his toolbox is like perfect so oh nice it's like i would i would i would like just make it a part of my packing <laughs> all right so typical standard um tools to bring i guess like a multi-tool that has maybe a bunch of um random allen key sizes your little phillips screwdriver flathead um yeah, yeah like there there's like there is every level possible um of multi-tool on the market uh, it's you you can start with like the really small one that has like the four like the three the four the five millimeter mm-hmm. uh, allen keys and like maybe a torx and uh like a, a phillips screwdriver a gis yeah but like you can go up like to the like there's one that's called the lizine uh block uh and this thing has like everything uh like the, it's like the swiss knife of uh of the um, of the multi-tool world, like you have like a chain breaker integrated uh, in this thing. Ah, so, okay. Yeah, I yeah. just waved. The at only my thing wife. my wife is watching us now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the only thing with like those uh, do-it-all tool is when you have to do some repair. Sometimes you're like stuck with only one block, and if, let's say you need like a five and a four to tighten to tighten mm. something up. Uh, you're kind of like stuck with this. Um, big block of tool. What do you carry, like, Carl? Carl? I do carry. Um, it really depends because, like we said, that we uh, like go between bike packing and touring. Uh, as a bike packer, I would go for the minimum possible. So it would be like a small multi tool. There's one by Specialized. Uh, it's called the EMT, and like um, it's actually aptly named the um, emergency multi tool. So there's the bare minimum on it, uh, just enough, uh, like a mini chain breaker. That's it. Uh, touring, I would take this design thing. Yeah. So are you it's are heavy. you planning to take the EMT when we go hit the uh, the log driver's waltz? Oh, uh, yeah. I would say I will look at my option because like this thing's gonna be gnarly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to be in the middle of the trail like trying to remove a true axle with like a small itty bitty tool. Oh, that sucks. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and for us on that one, we're going to be doing them as individual time trials, and we'll have to all carry our own stuff. But it'll be fun anyway. So we're doing that in May. Yeah, be, it's all quite it's cool. all for fun. Um, it's a nice bike ride. So yeah, I used the uh, last year when I went to Vancouver and rode up to Whitehorse. I used the Blackburn um, multi tool, 
And I liked it for the most part. There was a couple things I didn't like. It was a little bit like I couldn't tighten it up enough so that it would not be flimsy. Like sometimes the tools just move too easy and that drives me mental. Yeah, they- you know, you want it nice and snug so when you move a tool into place, it kind of just sits there. Um and it comes with a chain brake tool. It comes right off of it though. You can just unscrew it right off. Um okay. but oh, it, that's neat. Yeah, but it, it was it was a little bit annoying because it would flop around even more than the other parts. So um, mm-hmm. but overall a good tool. And prior to that one, I, I can't remember what brand it was, but I have, I have it in the garage still. And, um, I really like it. Was I think, it, oh, I, was I, it park tool? I don't think it's a park tool. I, you know, I should have gone out and checked first. I was thinking about that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a park tool. Maybe it is one of the park tool ones, but, um, just basic, you know, I had your Allen keys, your screwdrivers, one Torx maybe, um, or maybe two, and that's it. Like nothing too fancy, uh, but it did the trick, and I still use it. I keep it on my mountain bike one, and then I keep the the Blackburn one with my gravel bike. Yeah, a multi tool is better than nothing. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the uh, that's the like the like the the staple of what you should have. Like if you have a multi tool. Good for you. You're halfway there. I don't know what this comment all means, but uh, I'm going to read it. But uh, this person said, was it, like, was it, good was job, it, Carl. Uh, would, like, good. Yeah, yeah, that's Joe. That's actually my boss. Oh, okay, good and, job. Yeah. <laughs> Because I mentioned the other day when we were recording the uh, podcast that I was, um, I'm French to begin with, but English is my second language. And I say like a lot. Oh, I told that's you what that. you're <laughs> like. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so... Like he just, uh, he just, um, yeah, there's never a time of day. He can't just jab you a little bit. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, quick links. Are you a fan of the quick links? I am. If you're still carrying a multi-tool, like if you have this chain breaker or the multi-tool, it's, um, yes, quick link. But if you're, there's like, it's funny. There's some people that carry like a multi-tool, um, with the four or five and everything, uh, and a quick link, but they don't have a chain breaker. Oh, yeah. You might as well have nothing. Yeah. and um, <laughs> Or tie a knot. Yeah. And I actually, oh, the one thing that was really cool about the uh, the Blackburn one is it had a little pinching device. So you could tighten that up and you could pop your chain in oh, to, to remove the re- quick links. That's neat. And that that's was really neat. Like neat. I, That's part of the reason why I went with it. Because I was like, okay, because I've, I've been in that situation where you're trying to wrestle off. Um a chain and you're using like a little Gerber or something you're trying to on an <laughs> angle. Like it just sucks. Right. So yeah. Yeah. As long you as can you use, get- you, you, you can use like a, a broken spoke given that you have a broken spoke at the same time that your chain is broken and then you're for the, for a really bad day. <laughs> But uh, if you use the broken spoke and you just like twist it, um, I managed to, uh, to remove, um, like to, to, to remove a quick link, but there's a, there's a plier. Um, there's, a um, a tool bait made by Wolf Toot that mm. is, um, a tire lever, uh, a place to, uh, a valve core remover, uh, a place to put your quick link and this plier to remove the quick link. Oh, okay. This thing is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's Wolf, more for, Wolf Tooth makes some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're really minus shiny. It was a limited edition. No surprise there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and 
further to the quick links. I carried two sets with me when I was uh, going pretty remote, but never used one. So never had to, but I figured in the future, you know, I'd shave off that gram and just take one set, <laughs> but no. No, you can't go wrong with two sets. Um, yeah. What else? Um, you let's go down this. I guess um, the basics patches, tire oh, patches, yeah. patches, patches and learn how to use them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because patches are only good as the one putting them on. And I think a big hint there when you're patching, or are we going to talk about the maintenance later? Well, we could talk about patching now. Um, one thing I had learned, I mean, there's not really a limit to how many patches you can put on a tube. So, you know, you see people, they, they patch a tire once or twice and then they throw that tube out because they're like, it's ruined. Unless you're yeah. unless you're a pro racer, like that makes a great tire for training. You know, just just use it. If you're like if you're competing in triathlon, you want a fresh tube. Okay, go mm-hmm. for it. But if you're you know for all your training rides, use the one that has patches. Like you might want to you might want to uh, check your microphone. I can't. Uh, you're kind of really faint. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm good in my ears, so I don't know why. <laughs> Okay, it's probably just okay. Now, now it's better. Okay, um, yeah. So, anyways, um, patches, and I think another thing I had read, which makes a lot of sense, is when you patch a tire, um, it, almost immediately, as, as soon as it would be like relatively dry, put it into the bike and use it because that puts the pressure against the patch, which causes it to seal really tight and good, and you don't have a slow leak mm-hmm. later. I don't know if you're experienced on that. Yep. There is a, um, the, um, the big thing is like now, like before there were like this patch, um, like this patch set that you would like, um, put the glues on and, uh, it's actually your end when you put your end right there, it kind of like mutes your microphone. Oh, weird. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Gotcha now. Um, so yeah, patches, um, they were like the, like in, in the past there were like those things when you put the glue on and, uh. And like you had to like uh, scrape the tube and like use patience. And nowadays we like a quick, uh, we're, we live in a really fast paced world. And um, now they're self uh, adhesive. So you can just remove your tube from your, from your wheel, put the patch on, put it back and then you go. And those are really strong, like mm-hmm. adhesive. So it's, you can you can leave the tube in there. I, as uh, a person that works in the bike shop, I would replace it because I have access to a lot of tube anyway. And there's still this in the back of your mind is like, oh, this one already has a patch on. Um, but uh, while you're riding, there's no limit. You can make yourself uh, a tube completely off patches and it will still work. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't recommend to leave it on forever um, as you go on. But while you're riding, like go wild. Use all your package. It's it's going to hold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, slightly different, uh, different long-term view. But yeah, I guess the idea is um, don't be shy to patch and that, I mean, it will you're hold. Hard. Oh, fucking harm. I wonder why it's doing that. No, because I'm not even I don't know. My... I think you're grounding something. Maybe, or maybe something. I'm, 
Oh, maybe I'm grounding to my computer and it's going, the volume's going off. Yeah, something like that. Because like each time you do it, it's like, poof, you're uh, All your right, is audio it still is good gone. now? Yeah, it's yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, my wife made a comment. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that when it gets to tire boots. But um, yeah, so um, what was I going to say? Um, I'm blank right now. But yeah, uh, using patches can't go wrong. Um Mm-hmm. I've left them on long. I've had a couple tires in Malaysia that had a patch on them for like two years and I just used them. They were on my road bike. If I wasn't racing, they were just being used. And that was it. Never had much it's issues. Work. It, it, it made to, they're, they're, uh, they're on the market to repair tubes. So mm-hmm. if they would work only as a temporary measure, we wouldn't use them anyway. Mm-hmm. We just like replace the tube. So yeah. Eh. And yeah. in the early days of the, the, the glueless patches, I had some bad luck with them and I've kind of avoided uh, them since. Um, I yeah. rather glue, scrape and glue and do it properly than to use those stick on ones. That's me personally. I don't yeah. know how you feel. Oh, uh, now they're really good. Now they're good. Now they're, oh yeah, they're, they're good. I wouldn't use anything else. I don't think we sell the, the old one anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect. There's like no issue of uh, like using the new one. Ah, okay. Um, in our notes, I think we had patches twice. Is there different tire patches? Oh yeah, tire patches. Uh, I just like put it on. Yeah, uh, like I told you, uh, I think there were in uh, the special one. The specialty. Oh, okay, so like, you meant like tire, tire boots? Yeah, uh, tire boots. Yeah, because like yeah, I call them patches because you could patches, but uh, yeah, boot tire boot. Mm-hmm. Those you can take or not. Uh, it's really up to you. I think they're in my essential. Yeah, very light. Yeah. Me? And, oh, go, ahead. Can, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to say for yeah, myself, he, when I used one this summer, um, it was no longer sticky. It had no adhesiveness to anymore because it just got wet and stuff, but still did the trick. And I, as long as you, I kind of wiggled it in the place of where I needed it, got some air into the tire, yeah. and then it was good to go. But Yeah, because they can easily be replaced by like a bill, like a, like a $5 bill. You can like put it on. Um what I um, what I did in the past is like taking like a part of a of a old tire and uh, put it inside the um, put it inside the tire. Yeah, so use it as tire a, like boot, a boot. Yeah. Like, it. but I I think I want to experiment with something because like uh, the um, part tool one are sticky, then they're made to be sticky. The problem is when you use them with a tubeless tire. So you put a tube inside a tubeless tire. It kind of get wet. It doesn't like glue on like like mm. like you have a like you you did with your tire, or it get wet in your package. Yeah. Um. I want to experiment with uh Tyvex. Just Tyvex. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tyvex. This thing, uh, like the ohm. The home ohm wrap, wrap. House wrap. Yeah. Yeah. The house. This thing is really strong and light. So for bike packing, I think this thing would be great. There's even a company and, out there recently. I saw that they make a they make a sleeping bag that the the bottom half of the sleeping bag is um, Tyvek lined, so that you can use a shorter a shorter mattress with it up top. Tyvek is on the uh, ground I'm, down below, and yeah, I was like, that's nuts, but awesome. Uh, I went I went on um I went on the website today, and the guy. Uh, was uh, it was an like a DIY kind of thing that you could make your own BV out of Tyvek, and um, I asked around uh, last week. Yeah, I saw and your I'm message. I'm gonna make one. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make one out of this. Uh, I have enough to make a bivy and uh, like just a ground sheet. Yeah. So I'll I'll try both. Nice. Free, so. And I was gonna say my wife messaged and she said uh, when we were near Montreal once uh, her tire blew up. Um, it just had a weakness in it, and it was this like a big tear right on the sidewall. Oh. And uh, I tried patching it, and like we had to get we were like right in the north of Montreal, so we were. 10 kilometers out of the direction back through downtown to get to a bike shop oh. or we were going to go Rapantigny, which is across the bridge. And we were about 15 kilometers from there. And I was like, well, shit, we're going to Rapantigny. So, in the middle of nowhere, nowhere still. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just horrible, horrible location right along the river on the north end of the island. And um, I patched it. And then, of course, it blew again because the tube started squeezing out. Mm-hmm. And so then I duct taped the living shit out of it and, um, <laughs> and then patched it up with, uh, pumped it up with very low PSI and, uh, she made it. So don't try to carve the curve. Don't try to, uh, don't try to do tricks. Just ride, just ride as straight as possible. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I guess other basic tools, tire levers, can't go wrong with that. Um, yeah, we, we mentioned a chain tool. If your tool, like my Blackburn has one, if yours doesn't have one, you definitely, if you're going to go on a long tour, you need a chain tool. Of some uh, sort. Long tour. I would, I would even recommend like a standalone one. Yeah. Like, like proper sized one. I think it's the, um, the CT seven, uh, or the CT five. I don't exactly remember from part tool. This thing is minuscule oh, and yeah? you can. Yeah, you can put it in like, you can put it in your saddlebag if you want. So it's it it's really small, worth it, because on the lot on a on a really long tour, you don't want to use tool that you will have trouble to use on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see to, it right here. The CT five, it's tiny. Yeah, CT five. It's mm-hmm. this thing is really tiny, so you can like get. It's it's an it's a little bit extra weight. But it works it mm-hmm. as a functionality. For sure. Um, what else? Chain oil, obviously. Goes without saying. This this is a lot of debate there. Um <laughs> there's so many options. Yeah, well I mean some kind some kind of lubricant to, to keep your I, I can relate that back to my first tour in Indonesia. I, I brought oil with me, but I was just much too lazy to oil my chain regularly. And by the time I got to my uh to Bali um, and I was going to go to Lombok. I could, I was struggling to pedal anymore. And when I took the chain off, I could balance it straight out across my finger. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I, I sh- I'm in tropics, right? Lots of rain in the tropics. And I was like, I should have taken better care of this. And how many watts, how many watts were given away? <laughs> no, man. Like, yeah, it would have been nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, take something, take definitely just take something. And as the, um, the patches, uh, you're only good as the one used. Like those projects are only good as the people using it. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we're gonna. And like you said, whatever you're using, I, I'm using wax now. Um, I know I wrote it down lower, but yeah, I last summer I converted all my bikes to to waxed, and I'm a huge fan so far. There's definitely some a little bit more likeliness of getting some rust buildup if you're not careful, but you just gotta keep an mm-hmm. eye on it and wax regularly and. But I feel like it's super smooth, super clean. When you get, you know, you have to do something, you're not covered in black and grossness. So I'm yeah. a big fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I have everything to do it. 
and I've yet to do it. Wow. And, or if you're like Carl and work in the bike industry, you just get chains at a <laughs> discount rate and just buy new chains. <laughs> Nowadays, it's a different story because like with the pandemic and the shortage of everything, I take a lot, I take a lot of care, like to not let my stuff rust or, but yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely more careful about, um, my equipment because there is not always a replacement. Right. It took us, oh, like it took us months to to have um, to to uh, to get some eleven speed chain back in stock. Now we do. We're really happy. But mm. before that, it it was a uh, it was a the nervousness about um, like chain supply supply chain that was not delivering anything. The it's chain supply chain. <laughs> yeah, the, the chain. Yeah, exactly. There's no chain in the supply chain. So, yeah, you, uh, I take more care of my, uh, my writing stuff now. I hope in 2022 or 2023, it's going to be easier to yeah. get thing. But 2021, I'll spread the message. It's, take care of your stuff because there's not a lot of replacement parts. Okay. Fair enough. Um, mm. Spare parts. What do you carry? Uh, a lot. I imagine. A lot. Yeah. Touring versus bike packing. <laughs> once again, two very different things, but. Uh, yeah. There is. If you're. Uh, let's say that you're really. Uh, I won't make analogy. I will just say it as it is. Um, as a bike mechanic, uh, you know how to fix it. So in your mind, you're like, if something breaks, I'll fix it. So what's the part I need to fix it? And then you just go down the rabbit hole because you can say, oh, my free up might explode. Mm -hmm. I will replace it. I have every spoke possible, which is normal. I will replace them. But then you can go really far. Uh, okay. My touring trip, my, my touring trip around Europe, I carried um, an extra brake caliper because I could, because I will be able to, I was never stranded, but I was carrying a lot of extra stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. But bike packing is not about having everything to fix everything. Yeah. It's making it work yeah. to go faster and... Um, Bike touring is about going for a really long time. So you want to never neglect anything and go um, and have what is specific to your bike. Mm -hmm. So you can go in a bike shop and buy spokes. You can go in a bike shop and buy a chain in normal days. But your derailleur anger might be uh, unique to your bike. Um your some parts of your frame might be unique to your bike yeah so everything that it's unique to your bike help yourself it's probably not going to be like it's going to be a couple of grams bring it with you derailleur anger you should have a spare one yeah i i don't so, have a spare one um i you should <laughs> you should you should be, because it's the only thing you can't Fix. I have the uh, emergency wheel manufacturing uh, derailleur anger. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of 
just something that you can put over your axle and put your derailleur back, but it won't shift. It will just hold your derailleur there. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But a derailleur hanger, a spare one, it's so easy to carry. It's really mm-hmm. small. You need one. Yeah, I meant to get one last year, and then I did, uh, you know, 5,500 kilometers without one and just kind of helped out <laughs> myself. Hopefully nothing happens. But I was mostly on road. I was pretty much always on road. So smaller chances. Um, definitely unlike it's if like you're insurance. Yeah. If you're, you know, bikepacking or mountain biking, then yeah, it's always good to have a second one. Um, yeah. There's a lot of road people also that breaks their uh, derailleur anger. Um, I would say it's like, like, like I say, it's just an insurance. I'm due, so I should mind. probably get one before the next uh, next thing I do. We'll get you one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you carry extra cables? I do. Um, I do, but there's two type of cable on my setup. So I do for uh, for long touring trip. Yeah. So on my touring bike, uh, but they're mechanical. So I do it, uh, the railer cable, um, it's, it, it's so easy to replace once you know how to do it. Yeah. So yes. The other thing is my, m- two of my three bikes are in the I2. So, mm. um, I, um, no, actually just one now because I, uh, cannibal is uh, most of my bike, but, um, one of my bike is DI2 and I carry uh, an extra long uh, E2 uh, wire. So if anything like get ripped off, um, I can just put anywhere in the chain um, a cable, e- uh, E2 cable. So I can still go on even if my front derailleur cable get, uh, get tangled up and ripped off. So E-tube, yes, but this is mainly bikepacking. And okay. even then, this is mostly bike ultra like endurance setup because yeah. I know that I wouldn't probably tour with the I-2. So regular cable, yes. E-tube uh, wire, if you can. Yeah. yeah, I don't know too many people that would do like full-on world bike touring with the DI-2, but... I would probably. Would you? Yeah, it's yeah, reliable. I mean, I mean, I've heard people talking about transcontinental and stuff, and saying, "Yeah, no, it's definitely reliable, and it's not what it." You know, oh, it is. It is. It's been out of the market for like, like decades now. Yeah. So. Now that I have hydraulic brakes too, I just carry. I carry one extra derailleur shifter cable, and that's it for cables. Yeah, that's it. You don't need more than that. Um, and it's this is the kind of stuff that you can also um, get in a bike shop like go in a bike shop and buy another one yeah on my first tour i actually carried spare chain links um like three links i don't think it's worthwhile i mean now like i think to myself most of the time you know if you're if you something really happened and you had quick links and your chain became one link shorter it's not the end of the world to get you to wherever you're going you just have a one link shorter chain it's which will probably shift just fine anyways so Mm -hmm. um i think Carrying like three or so links is it's not really worth necessary unless you're going to be really remote, like Patagonia or something, maybe. Exactly. On long trip, I would carry two, uh, two quick link and uh, a little like piece of chain. Yeah. Because if you break your chain in 
an inner plate. A quick link will just make it like shorter. Right. If you break your chain outer, you can just replace this part with uh, with uh, the the quick link. But inner chain, you have to replace um, a section of the chain to be able to um, remain, mm-hmm. like to, to keep your chain at the original length. What are your thoughts on like, you know, like um, I know you can like use your chain cassette chain breaker and like not quite pop that link out the back. Have you ever done that and then replace it and then push the link back through and reuse the same link pin? Oh, you mean if they're open? Yeah, like uh, like I've done, but yeah, exactly. Like I've used before um, where I push the pin almost out. So it's just in the last plate, hook up the new okay, chain and then yeah. go from the other side and push the pin back through. So it's still usable, but. Yeah, the old chain, you were able to do that. In an emergence, emergency, you mm. can definitely do that. Um, as a, a permanent repair uh, with modern chain, they're, they're uh, taper at the end. Oh, okay. So you kind of break. You can you break this uh, this uh, taper when you do that. Emergency fix, perfect. Permanent fix, not a long term solution. Yeah? No. What about accessory bolt? Do you carry extra bottle cage bolts, or you know some of those are actually necessary for racks and whatnot, just in case a, a bolt wiggles loose? I do um, drill my uh, rear rack bolts um, from uh, M5 to M6. Oh, um, okay. So it's funny you you get uh you get a really strong rear rack on your touring bike, and um, everything is reinforced. I have like a the surly rack. Uh, it's strong. It's you can probably go over it with your car, and it's it's still gonna be one piece. But then you put bottle cage, uh, bolt to hold it all. Yeah. So uh, it's it, it making it the weak spot. So what I do is I drill those um, those uh, M5 bolt all and retap and, uh, them. I put yeah, I retap them uh, to M6, and those are uh, headset bolt. So those are really strong. Oh, okay, gotcha. So I this is like this is the main place uh, where your rack would fail usually. Mm-hmm. So I just get rid of those right away. Um, M4, um, M5 bolt. I carry a couple. It, it's a lifesaver sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Neat. Scrolling down here. Uh, obviously spare tubes goes without saying, and mm-hmm. you should be better than me and carry two if you're going really remote. So you don't have just one in a tubeless setup and then think, Oh shit, if something goes really wrong <laughs> here, I have no spare tubes. Uh, I was lucky. Nothing went wrong. Um, spare tire on a long tour. Did you guys carry any when you did your European tour or? Oh, actually, I just want to go back for a second yeah, on spare, spare tubes. Um, I was one out, uh, for riding alone. Um, it was, it was an early night and I was riding like as fast as possible. Uh, I was, uh, gravel biking on the one, which is, uh, the, on top of Gatineau park. Okay. Yeah. It goes to the fire tower. And I hit a rock. I had one tube. Um, I hit a rock and I did a double flat. I don't <laughs> so, know. <laughs> so I whip out my uh, patch kit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to patch this tube and, uh, a draft of wind took it away. <laughs> and then I'm trying to inflate my, uh, the one in the back 
like just to just to be able to ride a little bit and the uh, it was my first time using it like despite being in the industry forever sometimes i have new stuff and i freakingly don't know how to use yeah. it so i put it i i screw on the cartridge and everything goes out except for like maybe 10 psi mm. and i inflated the back one but the valve was too short it was not the right tube for ah. this thing i think it was my road tube because i was like exchanging the yeah. saddle bag from one bike to the other so i was pretty miserable i was able to ride on one flat and 10 psi on the back and uh, midway to um, get to my car, uh, my sole uh, on my shoes with the clip ripped off my shoes. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, so I only had like the upper portion of my shoes on my foot and the rest was on the pedal. So I was kind of like flat pedal pedaling on the shoes itself with two flat. I was miserable. <laughs> I had a similar so, thing with cleats happen on a, on an Xterra triathlon. I got to the finish line and I couldn't unclip because one of the bolts had fallen out. Oh, my, so and was I was just, just like sitting there and people are looking at me and I'm just kind of bouncing and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't unclip. And then of course I fell down right on my side, like hardcore, um, <laughs> the opposite way of the one foot that was unclipped, of course. And, uh, Oh yeah. It's always un- the one that you want to put. Yeah. And you got to take the shoe off to get off the bike. Like, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be quick enough to remove the shoes. But this is like, uh, this is a bike dancing more than. Yeah. And on that note, if you have, um, if you're using clip-in shoes, you probably want to bring one extra bolt with you just in case of something like that happening. Because they do come loose sometimes. And uh... I did bring extra cleat, but it was um, for a big touring uh, trip around Europe. So extra uh-huh. cleat, because like at. And we were like at 5,000. I don't think we we end up using those. We replaced the bottom racket once just because I was finicky. And I'd say, oh, it's not as smooth as before. Uh, I was carrying an extra bottom racket. Sweet. But uh, cleats, they last forever. Yeah. They just like, you just have to be sure that the bolts are in there. Even, for, the, even the road cleats last a long time unless you're walking around a ton, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I once, I once uh, snapped a cleat on the... Uh, velodrome in Bromo. Um, it's it's for it's really violent because like it's the 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 tip of the cleat that just like snap off and then your foot and it's a fixed gears and you're on an incline like this. Yeah. So it's it's not the best place to to break anything on the track. <laughs> but uh, you were you were talking about spare tire. Uh, yeah, we spare did. Tire. You did. Yeah, we did. Um, funny thing about. Uh, Funny thing about this trip is we never had one flat um, ever, uh, except for the last uh, 10 kilometer. We had two flat. Oh, wow. For six months, riding all over Europe, no flat. And I'm not the one to have flat. Like the last time I had flat was like in mountain biking. And before that was that double flat thing. And before that was in Hungary, uh, 10 kilometer from the city. Oh, okay. And... So we did bring a spare tire, and if you want to see it, it's still wrapped and it's still on my rack and it's still brand new. Nice. So <laughs> save it for later. I don't say it. It's all all depend. It's one of the things that you can probably buy. Other thing about working in a bike shop is you can uh, you have price on anything. Like it's your employee price. It's like pro deals. Um, you tend to carry stuff because you're like I don't want to pay. Full price, full price if something's yeah, yeah. happened. 
Yeah. So you're kind of like your mentality is like, I won't, I won't go in the bike shop and pay hundred dollars for a tire. That's ridiculous. I will bring one and yeah. then you fill up your pannier with this. Yeah, of course. So, and my tire were, um, Schwalbe, um, Marathon Mondial Evo. Okay. So those are like the last reference forever. for, yeah. for, they last forever. They're still good. I still have my original pair from Europe and I could probably tour again on them. Um, and the tire is brand new. The one where we carry uh, a spare, uh, it has a nice patina mm-hmm. on it because like never been used. So it depends if you go with a set of $15 tire, bring a spare or 10. Uh, no, actually you can bring, you can buy another one. And if you travel with like a $40 tire, I mean, like it's all depend on what you want yeah, to carry yeah. there. All right, let's pound through these last few things. Um, goes without saying yep. zip ties uh, can be a lifesaver. I mean, I've heard of everything from somebody using enough zip ties to tie their cassette in place against their spokes while on the Great Divide when their uh, their pals broke and they had yeah, nothing I, to grip for whatever. So, I mean, definitely. I saw that too. Um, I think it's, um, the guys on YouTube is I want to cycle the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he started from Patagonia and he went down, um, there's a lot that did that, but I think he cycled all the uh, Canadian Arctic as well. Okay. And, and, um, he did that because like, uh, two of his Paul and his hub broke and he tie wrapped this. Yeah. And this I've heard like, of it working. Yeah. It's most, it's not this, a, this, definitely a short term fix, but this is coming from, um, I know it's a fix, but uh, I saw that a lot in the past with a trial bike because the, the freewheel and trial bikes are in the crankset oh. and in the back it needs to be fixed. So a lot of people just tire up their freewheel or their cassette in the back to the spokes. So it's something that is not unknown to me, but okay. as, a, as a fix, it's efficient to go from a to b and yeah. get it fixed and i saw you added these mini roll of duct tape i mean i carry that in my first aid kit so actually when i'm biking and i have my mm. first aid, aid kick uh first aid yeah. kit i have a, a chopped off piece of pencil that i used and then i just um wrapped a thin strip of duct tape um and have a you know a piece that's maybe yeah i use a one one and a half yeah. inches in diameter um just a, a chunk of duct tape yeah, because the duct tape itself yeah. is really big. Yeah. I use um aquarium tubing, air tubing. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. So it's yeah, it's stay pliable. I think they sell it like this, uh as like mini kit. Um. I was at um I was at Mac the other day and I saw like those and I was like, Yeah, well, I can make that <laughs> easy. Yeah. So I just I, I just uh, I had aquarium tubing at my place and duct tape and I just wrapped it around and made two uh, out of one. So, okay. yeah, duct tape is lifesaver for saddle uh, that would rip off tires. And you added duct- dental floss and a needle. Is that for like t- uh, sewing a tire shut if you have a big tear or something? Yeah, big uh, big tear that can't be fixed with a boot. Or if you catch your leg um, on the chain ring and you need to give yourself emergency surgery, just... <laughs> I saw everything from fixing clothes to yeah yeah. Um, I mean, I carry I carry needle and stuff in my first aid kit. Once again, same thing. So yeah, um, it's it's the that's the, a whole episode um, onto its own. It's the kit of everything. Yeah. 
Um, and then just the last couple of things, I guess. Valve cores, if you're running tubeless, obviously you want to carry one, possibly two extras of those just because you never know when things could go wrong, especially when you're using a small pump that um, puts pressure on the valve core and it could cause them to bend and then eventually they snap. Yep. Um, aluminum. Uh, there's a new aluminum valve core now and you you can definitely snap them off if you're not being easy, cautious. Yeah. And again bike packing events where you're exhausted and you're trying to put some hair in your tire mm-hmm. mistake can happen uh like mishap you snap your valve you better have like a replacement one than walk than walking like 20k to the nearest bike shop yeah and uh sealant and actually on top of sealant i was going to ask you what are your thoughts on those little like um digital pressure gauges because you know if you're running tubeless it's really important to have at a at a good certain pressure you don't want it too loose like i almost rolled a tire right off my rim uh in the mountains on the cassiar highway really freaking remote um <laughs> sealant went flying everywhere and um you know so having a digital pressure gauge just to know where you should be sitting at do you think that's a wise decision or you think you will probably think that i'm a maniac um but um there is a so SRAM a couple of years ago bought um, Quark, you know, uh, Quark for a power meter. Yeah, power meter, yeah. Yeah. They also do um, everything that is whiz, so chuck whiz. And um, they also do something uh, that's it's called a tire whiz. And tire whiz, um, I'm pretty sure it was a bet that they say, oh, maybe we can do this product and and we'll sell. And unfortunately, I am the kind of people that would buy anything. (laughs) It's light. It's it's only 10 grams. (laughs) Yeah, they're not heavy. (laughs) You're already looking at that. So I have tire tire whiz. That's uh, 200 euros, uh, almost $200 for those things. (laughs) That's the problem. Jesus. (laughs) That's really the problem. It's like working at the chocolate factory and like you really like chocolate. So... It's the worst. Never go work on the bike shop if you like bikes. Yeah. Um, so those are linked to my phone, but even better to my Wow Element Room. And I have a key. I have like a like a, a data like field that yeah. is telling me my pressure front and rear. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So I can ride, and it saves my ass sometime because. You will know you have a, a slow leak when it when it's too late when you really feel the tire is being too soft. Yeah. As with those, you can see that the rear tire, let's say it's like, uh, like example, the rear tire is still at fifty psi and your front tire is at now at thirty. You you wouldn't tell the difference. You know that it's soft, but you don't think that it would be flat. But then mm-hmm. you look at it like five minutes later and it's at 28. You're like, oh, I have a problem. I need to figure out where to stop and fix the flat. And for the low cost of $225, you could solve this problem <laughs> by getting the tire whiz. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, 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 uh, well, I'm sure that was really good because you, you were into road biking too. So, like, as a road cyclist, you, you know, you want that pressure to be. Like consistent, you don't want to. You don't want big fluctuations and stuff. As a road cyclist, I didn't want to put them on because ten grams. Uh, <laughs> that and also, uh, if you're flat, you want to be as fast as possible to uh, replace the tube. Mm. Oh uh, yeah, when right. you, 
like let's say you're in a crit, which yeah. I never did uh, because I'm way too slow for that. Um, if crit were like endurance crit, I would be really good. Um, crit the the speed it's just crazy, and if you want to replace a flat, you need to uh, you need to be fast. And those you need to remove them from the valve and then remove the valve. Oh, okay. So it's I use them on my um, mountain bike and my um, touring bike. My touring bike is mostly because I didn't want to bring a, a pressure gauge, and now mm-hmm. I have the um, the new one from uh, from SKS, and uh, but those are not compatible with my Wow. I was a little bit dip- disappointed, uh, but they're easier to put on if you have tube. On my touring bike, I have tubes, and you can orient those the way you want. Oh, but okay. they still do the same job. They give you the pressure and they give you the temperature if you want. Oh, so interesting. my tire can give me the temperature. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I just use a standard but, pressure yeah. gauge and I got it from Blackburn because they did give me, uh, well, the the distributor in Montreal. Oh, gave yeah, me, that's They true. gave me a discount. The, so. the good thing with TireWiz is there's like a, uh, there's a blinking light on it. If your tires are good, they blink green. If they're not, they blink red. Oh, so in the morning, if you want to go fast and just say, oh, are they good? Yes, they blink. They blink green. You go. You don't have to worry about that. And then after that, you can look on. Yeah, because as convenient as it is, if you're on, you get on your bike and you start riding, then you look at your Wahoo and you go, oh, they're red. Now you have to stop, get off, dig out your pump. Exactly. I start my Wahoo first and connect them. And then after I ride, it's it's convenient. All right. Let's talk maintenance. Um, should we jump into daily maintenance? What do you do on a daily basis when touring? So we already talked about checking your tire pressure. Yep. First thing first, I see like I see two so so many people riding on the streets with their tire like square at the bottom. Mm. It was like and my car yesterday when I realized tire pressure was low. <laughs> was like, ah shit. My car my car this morning. No kidding. I had to uh I had to whip out the uh the, the the bike pump and like top it up a little bit <laughs> but uh yeah tire pressure is so important uh tubeless you would go a long way before doing any damage but if you have a tube and you it's something you will have a flat and um you won't go far and you want to keep those tube if you're doing long distance mm-hmm. touring uh you want to keep uh you want to keep those thing inflated like because you don't want to replace them and maybe you don't have spare if yeah. you're in the middle of nowhere. And if you get a snake bite like that, you got to use two patches, which also is a pain in the ass. Exactly. So save yourself the trouble and just like pump your tire up just a little bit. So do you uh, do you also check your chain and oil your chain every day or? Time for a quick interruption to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventure partners. Bike Tour Adventures podcast is proud to be partnered with Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat post paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as the main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag-making business for quite some time. 
Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Named after the animals that roamed the Tibetan Plateau, Cheru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre-Arnaud Le Magna in 2009. After noticing a lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast website. If it needs to, I know that you don't. No, no, I use wax. Um, yeah. I, I do it every, I don't know, three, three to 500 kilometers kind of thing. Okay. How do you... So it's every day. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, like that, every, I was about to say that. What, what, I'm curious about it, actually. I don't know everything despite being in this world. So I'm curious about wax. What do you, uh, how do you manage that? Let's say... Like not to build up you, as a ton of wax kind of thing or... Yeah, how, how, do you add up some walks? Because yeah. you, you cross Canada. Yeah, so I'll explain what I did. Um, so there's a company out of my, uh, out of the U.S. called Wend Wax, W-E-N-D. Um, okay. That's how I first came across the concept. I mean, I'd heard of chain waxing, but never really knew much about it. And then I saw their products. Mm-hmm. And I actually reached out to them, and they offered me a 50% discount. However, okay. um, with shipping, it was going to be still more expensive than if I just bought their product on Amazon, which is really shitty in the sense that it's not the way I'd like to do it. I much would have, you know, rather deal with them and then, you know, promote them or whatever. So, I mean, I talk about mm-hmm. them because I think their stuff is awesome. Um, and so what I bought was it kind of looks like a deodorant stick. Um, okay. Imagine a round one, right? And you okay. kind of like just- a glue stick. Yeah, kind of like a, lo- a super giant glue stick and you push okay. a bit of the wax out and to add wax to your chain, you just r- turn your chain and run it underneath and on top of the chain so it gets mm. on both sides uh, once around and then take your fingers because it's not filthy black like a normal chain, pinch the chain, run it so it pushes it into the rollers. Yeah, okay. okay. And um, and before I do the waxing, they also make a product that it's kind of like a de-waxer. It like softens okay. the wax. Oh. Um, yeah, that's that's the issue usually. Yeah, and I would um, I had a, a rag that I kept with me all the time, and it never got really gross because the wax is kind of dry, right? And mm-hmm. I just put a little bit on there and run it through the chain for you know a few rotations or like ten, you know, it's pretty quick, just twenty seconds or something, and it okay. would just take off the bulk of the dirty wax. I mean, you, of course, you're not getting what's in the middle of the rollers and stuff, but you're just getting off the mass, the, the majority of it. Then I'd add the, the wax yeah. as I described. And then at the end, it said just drip a few drops as you turn the chain once uh, okay. on the chain. So not so, so much that like you don't want to, you know, like when you oil a chain, um, sparingly put some drops and then just run the chain for for a minute. So it distributes it and rolls it in and it kind of softens the wax just enough that it gets into the rollers and then it kind of hardens. I don't know if that's, Oh, sounds like a lot, yeah. but it would take me just as long as like when I was with Fedor, like he would wax his chain or oil his chain. And I was just doing a quick mm-hmm. wax refresh and I was done quicker and I didn't have dirty hands and, um, it's, and I, it's and kind I of a, waxed half as often as he oiled. It's, it's kind of like solid oil. It's just, you do exactly the same thing as with oil because I, I, I run my finger on my chain, mm-hmm. but, I carry a yeah. like a nitrile gloves with me because it gets so dirty. Yeah, so I I, I actually thing. brought uh, an auto mechanic black glove with me on my tour, and then I was like, 
halfway through the tour, I was like, why did I bring this glove? Oh yeah, I'm not dealing with an <laughs> oil chain, you know? Like, not that it's heavy or anything, but mm. I, I kept it anyways. Just like, well, if something happens where who knows, you know? Somebody gets I might injured. Want to, or, I might I might want to try that. Um it was because uh, if we want to do like a BT seven hundred then um and the the drug the, the log dry log driver faults, um those are more than seven hundred K, like seven hundred and sixty and eight hundred. Yeah. And I was, if you have to replace it every five hundred k, how do you do it when you're in the middle of a gravel road mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. So that was my question. What I would probably do on a ride like that, where I don't need much, because the bottle I have is probably like three hundred mils, uh, and I brought mm-hmm. the whole bottle with me because I just didn't know how much I would use and stuff. But if I was going on a gravel ride like that, I would probably just take a little tiny little squirt bottle of some sort you know like uh i don't know what kind yet but maybe like an eyedropper bottle yeah dump it out just a refresh fill it up with that that gunk uh, the liquid um the breakdown to break down the oil and uh, the wax mm-hmm. and um just bring the wax stick yeah hmm. um, i'm curious i'll have to try that and so when i made my wax i had ordered teflon from god knows where somewhere in the world um like a bag of teflon but it stopped at customs because i think they probably thought it was like meth or heroin or something um <laughs> and then i ordered from another distributor of teflon and it came in after it was already gone so no big deal i made my initial wax with just pure paraffin wax in a slow cooker and it worked just fine um just the key um, is to get your I, chain really really clean first i've heard um people putting graphene so um i've heard of that too uh then i read some other stuff saying not really necessary because it's dirtier um Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Don't yeah. Know. It, it, it might turn black. Yeah. Um, and maybe it'll save you half a watt. I don't know. Or a watt or maybe five watts. No idea. Um, I just thought I'd go with the cleanest option. Yeah. All right. Yeah, um, and checking spokes. Do you do that daily? I mean, I'm notoriously bad for it until I see my wheels start wobbling. I don't really check my spokes. Um, I'm not really good with it either. No. It's I'm, a good habit, I, but... There, my wheels are. I, I build. I'm. Uh, I do my own wheel building, so I know that they are. I mean, a machine and a human building a wheel is two different thing. And uh, when you build uh, your wheel, you when you end build them, uh, they're really strong, and you know that those uh, spokes and nipples gonna be there forever. Yeah, they won't need to be true. I. Did um my first touring trip? I did eight thousand kilometer on the uh, on this bike, and my wheel were still like okay. really true. So and- yeah, I would I would say I would say check them, but also maybe before you go, have someone look at them and check the tension yeah. because that's usually the problem. Yeah, my mountain bike. Um, I had those wheels built in Malaysia. There's ZTR crest i think or arch rims i don't mm-hmm. remember with triple budded yeah, dt swiss yeah stands triple budded spokes um and i forget what hub i used but anyways not an i9 something different um but yeah i've never had a problem and those things are like eight years old and they're starting to get a little bit they need a they need a little touch up so uh, next one mm-hmm. of these times you come over i'll uh, 
put you to work um, for some beer. Um, but but they're in really great shape. And that's because I think, yeah, they were hand built and they probably got, you know, thousands and thousands of kilometers on them. And yeah, trail riding, hard stuff too. So if, if you want, if you want to go for touring or bike packing for, for a long time and your bike is like fairly new, um, bring, if you know how to do it, perfect. But if you don't, uh, but you know how to replace a spoke, but you don't know how to check spoke stand, spoke tension, bring your wheel to a mechanic. It will assess every spoke, mm. um, every single spoke and put it to the right tension Be- because new bikes, that's the problem. The machine built the wheel. It's not, uh, as it's tensioning it's some bro- spokes, other ones are losing tension, right? So, but it's just putting uh, it. They're kind you know, when you put like, uh, um, if you if you tight something but it catch and then you just like remove some tension and then it just release mm-hmm. it just like takes it's like it's like twisting something and releasing it okay the problem is like some spoke they will like catch and when you ride on it the tension is getting is being released and then your spoke will turn and then the tension will uh go uh, okay. down on your spoke and then your nipple will back up and then you will probably break a spoke or it will be so loose that it will move um, it will move in your uh up hole like mm-hmm. the and your flange, and the up and down movement will break the the bend in your spokes, and this is why sometimes you ride and the your spoke breaks directly okay. at the bend because of the lack of tension, not too much tension. In- interestingly, on my entire trip, I never broke a spoke until I arrived back in Ottawa and I saw one spoke was broken, but it wasn't actually broken. It was the nipple that had um, snapped, sheared right off at the rim. Um, I think it probably oh, got banged I'll- on the airplane or something. So that's my Aluminium? guess. Quite possibly. I don't know. Um, that's just the way it came, you know? Um, so I uh, went to I the- never bu- built- I went to the bike shop and they just like, yeah, we'll give you a spoke. So a new nipple. So they just gave me a nipple, but- yeah, they're easy. But this is why I, I never build wheel with uh, aluminum uh, nipple. Even though they're titanium, the brass right? ones. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the brass one, the old school brass one, yeah. uh, they last forever and they will never break. So they don't rust. They don't. If yeah, the, well, aluminum doesn't rust either. But yeah, they don't. Um, if your wheels if, if your wheels comes with uh, with aluminum n- nipple, uh, me personally, I wouldn't be comfortable touring for a long time on, on a wheel with aluminum nipple. Okay. Um, weekly maintenance or monthly? Um, yeah, weekly would be, um, to clean your drivetrain. I know you don't, but if you use oil, um, the wear and tear on your chain is not a lot from riding, but mostly the grimes that's going to eat out your chain. Just the grit, yeah, Um, that builds in. Yeah, so cleaning it, uh, keeping it fresh, uh, your chain will last way longer. Your cassette will not worn out as much. So if the Nalgene bottle, they are guaranteed not to drip, um, put some orange degreaser in there and mm. like toothbrush if you want and clean those uh, teats, clean, clean the chain a little bit, uh, rinse it, oil it just general maintenance because it's a machine it's a it's like a car it's like an oil change so yeah and that's for uh weekly yeah yeah no go ahead yeah no i was just gonna say so yeah that's uh definitely an important thing uh something i did not do on that first tour i gotta admit my uh everything had to be changed when i got back to malaysia it was just cassette 
front chain rings, everything was just rusty. I had a fresh chain, but uh, that was about it. If you can use your your chain ring as a steak knife, there is a there is a lot of abuse in there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't be pointy either. Chain yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, while we're talking about drivetrain, do you do you uh, alternate chains? Like, do you use two chains and alternate them? No, never. Never. Okay, I was wondering no. about that because I know that they say chains wear out much faster than a a cassette will. Um, and, but if you use a chain until it wears out, it's putting wear on the cassette and then causes your cassette to need replacing sooner. So, oh. uh, on this last tour, I did it every, I was aiming for every thousand kilometers, but it turned out to be about every 1200 and I just had two chains and I'd alternate them and I'd put one on the bike and put the other one in the bottom of the bag and thousand, 1200 kilometers later, switch them that's, again. That's actually reasonable. Um, I never... I never did that because I, that's actually logical when you think about it. <laughs> and I've heard of people even doing <laughs> three, cha- three chains and just alternating three chains and you get like, you'll get way, way, way more range out of a, a yeah. cassette. But. I can, I can see how it can be good. Uh, as for, for, um, extreme long distance touring. Right. But uh, as like for bikepacking or race situation yeah, I, no, would just, I would just like keep it uh, as it is but uh but you know also you can uh, your set is is really tough your chain rings are, um are really tough and mostly what will wear is the inner pins of your chain mm-hmm. so um on the cassette itself and on the chain ring the chain will kind of move around without really eating anything out oh, okay. if it's clean because it's kind of just wobbling on itself because mm-hmm. the, the 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 pins inside are worn out and the rollers are worn out okay. so it's kind i don't know if it would just eat it would be equal at the end i mean i would i would like to read on that uh because at the end it's just a chain that wobbles on itself okay so yeah um all right, let's move on because it's been an hour actually. Um, yeah, it's, it's always like this. Yeah. Uh, check the bearings for play or roughness you wrote. Do that monthly. Yeah. Just give it everything a little wobble and a shake and see how it feels. Yeah, just 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 checking if everything is – because you, you better find if something is wrong when you still can do something about it uh, compared to um, compared to being in the middle of nowhere with a broken mm-hmm. bearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good point. Put – just – turn everything just look around and you'll catch something up before it's too late um i have a neat trick that that you look like a weirdo if you do it but it's uh it's still really neat if you want to know if something start to be um to start to to getting near the end of life you your saddle is actually uh, a good speaker for your bike so if you put your ear on the tip of your saddle and then then this is the moment you look like a crazy person but um and your uh your bike is up on the stand or anything and you just turn anything on the bike it will amplify the noise okay. um, 
so you will you should try it at home it's uh yeah if you got a really stand impressive. if you got a stand and stuff though gang um just they make a they make a tool and i'm sure you guys use them in the bike industry too for mechanics yeah. and it's got like it's like a stethoscope but with a needle and you just touch things oh, i'm 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 young enough not to use that, but <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I, uh, I use it for uh, my car for uh, injectors. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, for timing belts yeah. and stuff here if the things are knocking. So yeah, in 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 the middle of nowhere, you can like use your saddle for this, but cool. it depends if you're a ultra endurance racing and you've been on your saddle for a 36 hour. I wouldn't recommend putting your face near that saddle. And take that so. from the bike whisperer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, big recommendation. How do you go about inspecting your hubs and ribs, uh, rims? Um, yeah, because pokes can fail, but mm-hmm. I see a lot of um, of um, rims cracking. Um, those will fail, and those will be because of the weight. Um, they uh, we go long way with the weight, uh, like the system limit of our wheels, but sometimes they will just fail um and some of the crack can be visible some of them can be invisible um as an example if you put a really wide tire on um, a narrow rim uh, the pressure of the tire on the sidewall will try to tear your your uh, rims apart oh okay and sometimes you'll be like oh my my wheel i can i cannot make it right it's never like getting true or uh, if you use like rim brake it's like rubbing somewhere there's like a tight spot and uh, it's it's actually the rim itself inside that is like tearing itself apart. Oh, i saw shit. one that once was like all around it was a mavic something and, and you're like i can't believe was... this thing is not falling apart yet yeah exactly it's like you're still riding with this and i'm impressed that you made it here but now you need a new rim and also um cracks around the sidewall mm. but it's mostly for rim brakes and okay. uh, like spoke that would go through and cracked flange but you a cracked flange if if just like a slight crack good job you 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 saw it before everything failed but if it's cracked you'll you'll know it because your spoke will fly mm. around and uh okay you'll uh you'll have a really wobbly wobbly wheel and is there anything you look for when you're checking your frame for signs of failure i mean obviously, oh, other than big check. cracks obviously yeah check the weld check uh if you're if you have like a titanium aluminium or uh steel frame check check the weld um mm. about, around the bottom bracket around the head tube around the, your seat tube um seat stay chain stay everywhere just check where it connects because uh, those are the stress point because the weld is the strongest part of a tube. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, um, you should check once in a while because a crack frame while going downhill is never funny. And a crack frame when you're in the middle of nowhere, again, touring, long distance touring, it's never funny. All uh, right. Carbon frame, mm-hmm, go ahead. carbon frame though, uh, those are different. Um, you have to look everywhere. Um, the layout will make it nearly impossible to be uh, localized. You need to look um, at some, um, like a general area of your frame and your fork because it can be anywhere. Okay, good to know. I have a carbon, so I get to check that out sometime. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's just talk a couple things. Um, Maybe how to adjust for shifting, disc brakes, and then possibly end up with, uh, finish off with how to true a wheel. I mean, in, in spoken language, I guess it's not as easy uh, said as done, but 
Yeah. <laughs> or it's not as easily done as said. Um, so go for it. How do you yeah. adjust your shifting? What's the, um, what should people Shifting know? is, is uh, it's, it's really, uh, I, I guess you can explain something if you understand something. So I'll try to make it over a podcast. Um, we live in a world where from the railer, they're getting rarer. So there is like not as like occurrence as like in the past or we see a lot less of those. Uh, rare derailleur is where you want to, where the bulk of your problem will be if there is, like if you replace a cable, if your uh, your derailleur anger uh, got bent and you put it back, but then now your shifting mm-hmm. is not right. Um, so your derailleur is basically, um, let's say, I'm trying to get to do a good image. It's like a, a pendulum, like in a the, in the clock. Mm-hmm. So your one of the limit screw will limit as far as you can go with one side of the pendulum. And if you go the other way, the other limit screw will be uh, stopping uh, this, pendulum, this pendulum the other way. So those are the two little screw in the back of your derailleur. That being said, those, once they, uh, they are adjusted, you never need to touch those again. Um, unless you like, unless you, I'm assuming, remove the the derailleur from the uh, the hanger and put it back on, then you might want to check those again. Is that- Even though it will no? still be adjusted for this bike, you take okay. this derailleur, uh, you take this derailleur and you put it on another bike, then you will have to okay, adjust your limit. Um, now, what you will have to do is uh, adjust the tension on your. Um, like your um, adjuster that little uh little like barrel like a barrel adjuster mm-hmm. in the back of your derailleur or sometime if there's none on your shifter or sometime on your down tube on your frame and i the guess the, is, the nice ones now are the ones that have the quick adjusters right up by the handlebars too right so you could kind of do it on the fly if you notice something's a little yeah weird. mountain bike mountain bike usually now they don't have the adjuster on the derailleur they have it on the handlebar because mm-hmm. that's those things were like breaking all the time and it's uh it's important uh, it's it's protected from the element up there and also you can ride and adjust yeah so the grx has that as well it's up on the uh yeah, yeah. The, they're inline yeah um, yeah inline can, yeah uh, yeah um so where you want to, um, the trick is when you want to get your derailleur to go uh, up the cassette, so up to the bigger gear, so that the, to the easiest gear, uh, you want to increase the, ten- the tension on the cable. So a good way to remind to, to remember it, it's you want to put tension on the cable. And to put tension, you have to unscrew that uh, adjuster to uh, pull on the cable because it will kind of like virtually lengthen the right. um, yeah 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 lengthen the the housing. So uh, if you lengthen the housing, you shorten the uh, distance of the cable. You, you shorten the like the exposed cable, and if you shorten this exposed cable, you put some tension on, and then your derailleur will go up. So micro adjust with this thing. This is like if you're derail if you're riding, and then all you can hear is like that little tick. Yeah, you play with this barrel adjuster, and um, if it if it's rubbing on the on the next up, uh, remove some tension. Uh, if it's rubbing, uh, if it's trying to go down, uh, put some tension. That's okay. the that's the easiest way to explain. That's yeah, that works also well. mostly what you will 
use like what like what kind of adjustment you will do on your rail derailleur if you're on tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, bigger than that, I would say this is like a whole different story. There's like plenty of video on YouTube how to adjust those. But on tour, it would be uh, tension. Also, if you did replace cable and housing, they will compress on themselves. They will like settle themselves. So you might need to adjust. Uh, you might need to put some tension back in okay. the system once in a while. Cool. Yeah, I find front derailers are so much more finicky. They're they're more difficult. Uh, yeah, to- that this this is why the industry is moving away from them. Um, I personally love them for like the range because on the GRX you can get over five hundred person like if you do there's like some mod that you can do and it's not the shimano guy that he's talking it's just carl but uh there's like some mod that you can do as a 46 30 front uh chain ring with a 45 cassette uh in the back is with that the, using like a wolf, wolf tooth yeah wolf tooth goat link exactly yeah and those will give you over five, uh, 525 and over like 546 percent of, uh, like, um, of uh, gear ratio. So uh, you like from the railer, they're great when they work. This is why the industries are like are moving to one by, but I don't think it's perfect for, let's say, road riding or long distance cycling because you're always between two gear. Yeah. You're trying to find so that happy what, middle, which is hard. Yeah. This is why I keep um, a tight cassette in the back for road racing or like road riding or endurance. Uh, so I can get like my cadence right and mountain biking or touring. I don't care. I just like mm. shift and that's it. Okay, and cool. I, my, my speed is my cadence. I don't care. What about disc brakes? What do, what do people need to know about that? Because I think that's kind of the um, standard as well now, unless you get some of the Surleys and stuff that still produce cantilever. Yeah, even even though uh, I would say uh, most of the bike industry has moved into uh, to the disc brake, even like the uh, long old trucker mm-hmm. is no longer um, is no longer offered as a rim brake option. Is now just a disc trucker. So. Um, they're here to stay and i feel weird to say that after mostly 20 years of them being around <laughs> but um the the only thing with this break is they look complicated but it's mostly just one piston pushing two piston so it's nothing weird about it there's mechanical one uh, those are really easy to adjust nowadays you can adjust both sides individually so if it rubs from one side you can even like remove like it just back off one oh, wow, at a time yeah on the bb7 <clears throat> and th- those are have been those has been there forever yeah um and um there is also um but hydraulic the thing is is the rubbing uh, people will say uh, my disc brakes rubs and i don't know what to do most of the time it's just uh readjusting uh the distance you can readjust it because th- those pistons are floating and there's also the so, uh, the thing where if you if you loosen the bolts where it mounts to the fork, and then yeah. you squeeze the brake, it recenters it, and then tighten the bolts. It while will it's, while it. it's brake, the brake is on, and then when you release, it should be evenly spaced. Yeah, some so, sometime um, if you don't have like a washer on your bolt, you will tighten it, and you will tighten the other one, and the caliper will do that naturally oh, okay. because you're trying to. Uh, so mm-hmm. go gradually when you do that. Good one, point. Uh, one down, one down. And um, 
it will center itself. It's it's really easy once like you, if you get your mechanic to explain them, uh, you'll find that they're way less confusing than you would think. They're and they're so reliable. Okay. Compared to uh, compared to anything else on the market. Good to know. Uh, what about truing a wheel? I know it's not. Uh, that's probably one of the more challenging things uh, for people. I, I mean, I'm I'm not even good at it. I know how to do it. It's it's a process. I never get it really nice looking. It just uh, get it better. They just go. Know? They just go from this to this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 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 It's a fine balance. Um, it's a fine balance because it can be a wheel can look perfect. Uh, like I said earlier about breaking spoke, a wheel can look perfect, and then um, it can be off balance everywhere. So you're trying to readjust your wheel, but uh, you're pulling on it and there's no tension and you can't because like there's too much tension on the other side. So it's really a balance of uh, removing some tension from one side, pulling some tension from the other side. And sometimes when your wheels are uh, untrue, like they're they're just like go, um, they kind of wobbly. Um, It's mostly because um, there is an impact uh, some some spoke tension has been um, released from your uh, from your wheel, so you have to put back this tension. The thing is, most of the people will try to tighten, tighten, tighten uh, all the spoke, and they end up with a wheel with a lot of tension on one side uh, and zero okay. tension on on the other side, or like too much tension on the other side, and then a tight spot, and then they will end with a wheel that is hopping because they're trying to put too much tension and not mm. releasing because it's it's like I said it's a balance so you remove tension you put more tension and then you just balance it it's a uh, some people say it's an art but I don't think it's an art it's a science so you just have once to once you understand the your, science and you if you put take your time you should be able to exactly yeah awesome well that was really really fun uh, Carl I don't think I have anything else we could talk about. I mean, we could get into like different bike noises and creaking and stuff, but I think we're kind of out of time. And yeah, uh, no, no, uh, uh, I, I think uh, I think we we mostly went around everything. Uh, we went over everything. It's uh, the noise. Seriously, it's uh, it's it's up to any bike. Yeah. Uh, one that is notorious though is the tick tick tick. Um, like this. Uh, it's not. I'm not talking about your. Uh, Derailleur. Your chain, mm-hmm. uh, but you're riding and all you can hear is every wheel revolution. There's like a tick, tick, tick. Yeah, what because you have a loose, you have a loose spoke. Ah. You have to take care of your so wheel. So every time you go, it's just, it's pulling as the tension it's, hits it, it tick, it pulls and it kind of hits the, the because wheel. Because your wheels, your wheels actually is a bridge. Right. So the tension is on the spoke up top and the, there's no tension on the, on the bottom. Oh, so okay. when you when you ride your spoke uh, up there is on tension and when you go down uh, since there's less tension in this one than the other one it will just like move inside the rim mm-hmm. and then you go back up and then tick tick oh the interesting tick. okay did not know so that this is like the only one that I know that when people are like puzzling to find where the noise is this is this is the this is the one awesome sweet yeah that was fun and uh i'm sure yes. we'll do it again there's so many things we can talk about so uh just wishing you a good night happy weekend hey thank you cheers man cheers later later
Hey everyone, before we end this podcast, I'd like to tell you about some of Bike Tour Adventure's other amazing partners. I'm very proud to be supported by Brockton Cyclery, a Toronto-based bike shop dedicated to bike touring and bikepacking. Carrying many of the top bike touring and bikepacking brands, I can honestly say that they have helped me to build the most durable and fast bikepacking bike possible. We're also supported by Race Day Fuel. Their mission is to ensure that you consume the very best and appropriate food and beverage for the task at hand. Working with top brands such as Scratch, Noon, and Untapped, they have all your nutrition needs taken care of. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures website. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.